Welcome to the Pacey Performance Podcast. Today, I'm speaking with founder and chief scientific officer at Inside Tracker, Gil Blander. Thanks for tuning in to episode 67 of the Pacey Performance Podcast. So today we've got Gil Blander on the phone from Inside Tracker. So as I say in the episode, it's a little bit of a, a diversion from the, the usual route with sports scientists and strength and conditioning coaches. But I think it was a really good um, opportunity to speak to Gil just regarding, basically regarding blood and the importance of, of tracking it and how Inside Tracker go about that as a, as a business. So Gil's got a really interesting story uh, and I thank Carl Valley for, for putting me onto him. So I heard a lot of good things about Gil and it, it definitely uh, lived up to expectation in, uh, in this episode. So that's it for the introduction really, um, but a massive thanks again to Vald Performance, makers of the Nord Board for sponsoring the podcast episode today. So they are launching today or tomorrow, so pretty much this week, um, which is 15th and yeah, 14th, 15th of January. So if you are interested in getting to know more about the Nord Board, they've been very active on Twitter recently, obviously with the launch coming up. Um, a lot of kind of big players in the game saying they're going to uh, go invest in a, in a Nord Board because they've, um, they've been using it or they've heard good things. So check them out on Twitter. Um, and if you are interested in inquiring about a Nord Board, you can go to valdperformance.com. So that's V-A-L-D performance.com. Just drop them an email and they'll fire you some some information and some quotes over if that if that's what you're uh, if that's what you're interested in. Also follow the professors, um, the doctors who are behind the um, the Nord board. Again, if you go to valveperformance.com, um, all the, the kind of background information about the product uh, is on there. So enjoy the chat with Gil. Uh, it's a really good episode. Add, Really enjoy your feedback, uh, appreciate your feedback, uh, obviously with it being a, a slightly different route to the normal sports scientist, training and conditioning coach. So enjoy episode 67 and I'll, I'll speak to you soon. So today on the Pace Performance Podcast, we've gone down a slightly different direction um, to the normal kind of performance coach route, and we've got the Chief Scientific Officer and founder of Inside Tracker, Gil Blander, on the uh, on the podcast. So first got to know about Gil through Calvali and Bruce Williams, who have both been on the podcast in episode 15 and 59, I think. So Firstly, just want to welcome Gil to the podcast and thank him for his time on a Monday afternoon, just after New Year. So welcome to the podcast, Gil. Thank you so much. Pleasure. So do you just want to give us a little bit of a, a background on yourself, uh, your experience and uh, a, little bit, a little bit about Inside Tracker would be great. Excellent. So um, I'm a, a scientist in training. I was born and raised in Israel. And actually, as a young teenager, I suffered a death in the family. So a relative of mine passed away 
And instead of being sad about her, I was sad about myself because at that time I realized that I'm not immortal anymore. <laughs> so uh, uh, I was shocked at that time. And I uh, decided that uh, because of that, I wanted to try to dedicate my life to understand why do we age, how can we delay the onset of aging-related diseases, and how can we uh, help uh, people to live longer and improve the quality of life. So that's why I decided to study biology. I did my undergrad at uh, Tel Aviv University in Israel, and I'm sure that you can hear my heavy accent, or okay, <laughs> Israeli accent. Uh, then I uh, moved to the Weizmann Institute in Israel and did my uh, uh, graduate study in uh, studying aging and uh, biology and uh, uh, biochemistry. And uh, there I studied a, a, a very rare syndrome that's called Werner syndrome, it's a syndrome that actually occurs mainly in Japanese population. It's, uh, as I said, it's extremely rare. It's occurring one in eight million people. So it's, uh, it's very hard to find those patients. But what is interesting about this syndrome is that uh, the patient of this syndrome develop normally during uh, uh, their lifetime. And then when they age, uh, get to the age of 20, they started a rapid decline and they died at the age of 40 from aging-related diseases. Uh, mainly cancer, cardiovascular, and other. So I studied this syndrome and uh, found uh, interesting discoveries and uh, published several papers. And then I uh, decided to move here to basically to Boston and do my uh, postgraduate study at MIT. Again, studied aging in the best lab that studied aging in the world. The name of the lab is a, a Lenny Garant lab. And there I studied, uh, again, aging, a, a different kind of aging from a model organism such as the yeast and mice uh, to study some human cells and some other effect of aging. And um, when I arrived here to MIT, I started to be exposed to the biopharmaceutical and high-tech environment of Kendall Squares. Just a, a short lesson in uh, geographic. Um, uh, the old area of MIT called Kendall Square is a part of Cambridge, Massachusetts, and there are a lot of biotech and high tech. You have companies from Amazon to um, IBM uh, to Microsoft to a lot of pharmaceutical companies, Amgen, Biogen, and Novartis, and so on, and a lot of startups. So I started to uh, do some uh, uh, partnership collaboration with those companies. And uh, I was also fortunate enough that during my study at MIT, I studied uh, uh, one of my research uh, subjects was studies the aging and differentiation of uh, human cells. And uh, I found uh, an interesting effect of uh, uh, the gene or the protein that I worked on. And the cosmetic company, Estee Lauder, decided to fund this research. So I was uh, fortunate enough to uh, work also with some cosmetic company. So at the end of the day, I, I, I had a lot of exposure to uh, biotech companies, uh, consumer companies like uh, uh, Estee Lauder and other companies. And that actually uh, gave me uh, the understanding that I can uh, contribute much to, more to humanity if I will start my own company and dedicate it to help people uh, improve the quality of life then uh, being a professor in the academia that published a couple of papers a year that maybe five or ten people will read it. Um, so after spending five years at uh, MIT, I decided to move to the industry. 
And the reason for that was that uh, I, I understood that I don't know enough uh, about the industry, so I cannot uh, start my company immediately. I need to work a few years in the industry to understand the industry. And I uh, decided to work in a small company that doing a system biology. So again, I need to give you a short background about system biology. So uh, in, in uh, contrast to a normal uh, uh, biology lab that study a specific protein and look at it all over, let's assume lab that studies testosterone, the, uh, the scientists in the lab know every amino, uh, uh, um, uh, maybe not testosterone, but other uh, um, genes or protein like, let's say, um, a gene that's called P53 or other, you know any amino acid, you know any nucleic acid, you know any modification. Um, I decided to try and, uh, and, and study everything. So the change of a whole genome or whole protein. So instead of looking at one protein, let's look at all the 30,000 protein. Instead of looking at one gene, let's look at 30,000 genes and try to understand what's happening there. So that's what the company that I joined to uh, did and the company uh, did some consulting to big pharmaceutical companies, and uh, at the after hours I decided to use the technology that they have to look at the whole genome using system biology to study a, a phenomena that called caloric restriction. Now again, uh, for uh, anyone that doesn't know caloric restriction, caloric restriction is a regime that you feed a model organism, and it doesn't uh, matter if it's a, a mice, rat warm, yeast, or even monkeys, if you feed it by 50% less of the calories that is used to be fed, this organism can live up to 50% longer. So that's amazing. Every organism that you feed around 50% less, uh, it can live up to 50% longer. The problem is that nobody really uh, understands or know what is the molecular pathway. Why? Uh, this organism can live a uh, 50% longer when you caloric restrict or decrease the amount of calories that this organism is fed. So I decided to use the technology that was available at that company called GenStruct to try to build a model of all the genomes change, all the uh, RNA expression, and try to see what are the processes that are changing when uh, you caloric restrict uh, a mice, or rat, or any other organism. So I built a, med, a mega model like that, and I found that around 18 different processes are modulated when you treat uh, those organisms with caloric restriction. Those processes uh, include the processes like the insulin pathway, that I assume that a lot of you heard about it, a TNF pathway, it's more like a, related to inflammation, apoptosis, uh, and so on and so forth. So that was very interesting because uh, nobody has uh, done such a research. Luckily, in addition to that, I included two controls. The first control was to take a young versus old mice and to check what are the changes that occur when you are young versus old mice in the RNA level. And I did that experiment. The other one was to use a small molecule that called resveratrol which I assume that most of you heard about it because it's now a, a lot in fashion. It's an antioxidant uh, that have been shown uh, recently to activate a, a protein or a gene that called CIRT1 or CIRT2 that is related to longevity. And there is a lot of hype about resveratrol because uh, uh, it, it's found in high concentration in red wine. 
So basically, it's a give uh, an approval to whoever like to read a lot, uh, to, uh, to drink a lot of red wine to drink it because ah, I'm I'm not drinking it for fun. I'm drinking it to uh, to increase my resveratrol level. Anyway, if you want to get to the right uh, a dose of uh, uh, the resveratrol, you need to drink like uh, I think like a liter of uh, 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 red wine a day, which is uh, not doable at least for me. But anyway, so uh, so I did this control as well. And what I found that only 10% of the processes that are uh, uh, changing by caloric restriction are, are overlapped by resveratrol. And as I said before, resveratrol was considered to be the, the best caloric restriction mimetic. Similarly, but differently, 10% of the processes that are modulated by caloric restriction were overlapped by young versus old mice, but they were completely different processes. So basically, I, I got uh, the result, and the results show, yeah, caloric restriction change, 18 processes, uh, resveratrol, which is the best known caloric restriction mimetic, can uh, uh, overlap only 10% of them, and young versus old overlap 10%, but completely different 10%. Now, the question is, why do we want to mimic caloric restriction? Uh, and the answer is that, uh, first of all, it's very hard to, do, to stay on caloric restriction. Think about it that you need to eat 50% of the amount of calories that you eat every day. Second, if you uh, have enough willpower and you do that, it's also not pleasant to be under caloric restriction. Because when you are under caloric restriction, you lose all the fat. So basically, uh, uh, you are, uh, have literally almost 0% of fat in your body. And uh, because you don't have fat, uh, you don't have a good insulation. So you are cold all the day. So you, are, you need to shiver all the day. Also, because you lose fat, you don't have enough uh, cushion when you want to sit. So you cannot sit at, at the desk at all. And also, because you lose fat, you lose the sex drive because you don't have enough uh, sex hormone. As we know, most of them are a compromise of uh, a fat or a cholesterol. And also, you are not fertile. So there is a cartoon that uh, show uh, like an old mice next to a bonfire and the cartoon uh, 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 saying old but cold. So basically you can add a caloric restriction but it's not fun. So now there is a, a, like a quest to try to find a mimetic, something that will uh, fool our body and say oh, and will let our body to think that he is under caloric restriction while he's not under caloric restriction. And that's resveratrol is one of those, those candidates. So when I realized that uh, actually resveratrol is not uh, uh, covering all the processes that are uh, modulated by caloric restriction, I showed it to a few of my fellow uh, scientists uh, uh, around the world, but also in the company that I worked with. And two of them, uh, David, David Lester and uh, Christian Reich, uh, were extremely excited about that. Uh, and when we discussed it, we showed that uh, it's uh, uh, really fascinating what I found, because that showed that even the best mimetic of caloric restriction cannot uh, do what caloric restriction is doing. So that means that we need to find a combination. We need to add more and more small molecules in order to mimic caloric restriction and then fool our body and allow us to live longer, improve our performance, and maybe allow us to play uh, uh, basketball at the NBA until the age of 60, which is great. Uh, but we, uh, when we thought about it, we said, why should we use a lot of small molecules? Why can't we use food? Because uh, uh, for me, uh, food is a drug of choice. 
And if you look at the USDA database, which is the uh, most detailed uh, uh, database of uh, food in the world, you can see that there are around 8,000 different food items in the USDA database. If you look at the average American and uh, uh, look, uh, ask him to do a food diary for a week, you will find that the average American consume only around 20 food items a week. So we consume 20 food items a week, while the, the universe for us is 8,000. So basically, we are using only a very small portion of the food that we can uh, use. So our idea was, let's try... Sorry, Gil, I seem to have lost you there. You're just talking about, um, about the, the average American's diet with, with 20 items per week out of a possible 8,000? Yes. So, so basically what I was discussing is that um, we can uh, use um, food as a drug of choice instead of uh, um, trying to find uh, uh, drugs or uh, supplements that will help uh, uh, our users or uh, help the human being to optimize themselves. Um, so so we, uh, based on, uh, uh, on that, we also were looking for a way to understand what happening or what are the issues that each user, each person have. And we discussed, decided to look for a marker that will mark for us what is the situation of a, a each person. What are the issues that each person is suffering right now? Because it's very important to know what's happening with you right now and not yesterday or tomorrow. So when we were discussing that, we realized that the best uh, indicator for that is the blood. And the reason for that is the blood showing to you exactly what's happening with your body right now. Actually, we see the blood as a liquid gold that uh, uh, show you and explain to you what's happening with your body. And, uh, and the question was, what kind of blood biomarkers should we look at? Uh, because when we look at the, um, the catalog of Quest Diagnostic and LabCorp, which are the two biggest uh, diagnostic company in the U.S., we've seen that they have thousands of different blood biomarkers. And uh, there is no way that you can test all of them because first, nobody is rich enough to have enough money to pay for that, at least not today. And second is that we don't have enough blood in our body. And again, today to test all the thousands of biomarkers. So we had to find a method to find which blood biomarker is the one that is the most important for the user. So what we decided to do is to develop a few criteria that will help us to decide which blood biomarkers should we use. The first criteria was that we want to use a blood biomarkers that are related to health, wellness, and performance, and not blood biomarkers that are related to disease. So I can give you an example. PSA, or prostate-specific uh, antigen, is a biomarker of prostate cancer. So that's something that we don't want to test. But biomarkers like testosterone, cortisol, creatine kinase, iron, are markers that are related to health, wellness, and performance. So those are definitely biomarkers that we want to test. So that was the first criteria. The second criteria was a criteria that we want to test biomarkers that we can find at least in 1% of uh, our population that are not optimal. Um, so, for example, biomarker like the Werner syndrome, a biomarker that detects the Werner syndrome that occurs in 1 to 8 million, it doesn't make sense to test because it will take us 8 million uh, users until we find someone that this biomarker will help you. 
uh, we decided to have a cutoff of at least 1%. So every biomarker that when you test uh, our population and you find that at least 1% of the population is not optimized for it, that's a biomarker that we want to test. And the last criteria, and I think the most important one, is a biomarker that you can modulate. You can change the level of the biomarker, increase it if you need to increase it, or decrease it if you need to decrease it, using uh, a mainly a food or nutrition, and we discussed that we have a battery of 8,000 food items, but also uh, some uh, exercise changes, lifestyle changes, and if needed, some supplements. So uh, those are the criteria that we chose, and uh, me and my scientific team spent a couple of years, and we pinpoint around 30 different blood biomarkers that related to health, wellness, and performance. And we started to uh, develop for each of them the recommendation, the ranges. And in this point, I want to discuss uh, for a second uh, about the optimal zone. So if you do a blood test using your primary care physician or any other entity, uh, you will see that uh, the primary care physician or the other entity will tell you whether you are normal or out of normal, and that's it. And it doesn't matter if you are a male or female, athletic active or a couch potato, African-American or a Caucasian, uh, someone that uh, drinks a lot of alcohol or a monk, all of us will receive the same normal range. And we saw that that's wrong because I don't think that you can uh, compare a Usain Bolt to an obese person in Alabama. So what we uh, did is we developed an optimal zone for each person based on his age, gender, ethnicity, athletic activity, amount of alcohol that he drinks, and so on and so forth. And we developed it based on a data from a peer-reviewed scientific publication that show us what is the uh, optimal range that a, per a specific person should be at. And also from a mega database that we developed that have hundreds of thousands of people uh, related to a, a biomarker level, so we can basically find, pinpoint what is the optimal zone for a specific person. Then if this person is uh, above or below the optimal zone, we'll supply him a, a recommendation what he should do in order to bring himself into his optimal zone. So sorry about the long uh, uh, poem, but that's the background about me and InstaTracker. <laughs> no worries, no worries. Um, so... Do you just want to tell us about the, the journey of someone who are an athlete or a, some general population comes to Inside Tracker and how they go through the process of getting that recommendation out of the side? Yes, sure. Um, so, uh, so currently we have an agreement with labs in the US and Canada. So basically everyone in the United States or Canada can come to the website, uh, order a blood test, and then we have a, a battery of clinics that he can take the blood test that he ordered, uh, they will uh, uh, do the blood test and then send the result to us. And then within a day or two, it will run via our uh, sophisticated algorithm and give him, uh, uh, show him the, uh, where is he standing with each biomarker, whether uh, the biomarker is optimal, above or below the optimal range. And then if it's not optimal, it will give him some recommendation what kind of food he should eat more, what kind of uh, exercise he should do or change the exercise, lifestyle changes, uh, and um, supplements if he need to. Uh, also, we have a, a few additional uh, solutions. One is the nutrition page that uh, show you 
an option of around 20 food items that will help you to optimize a specific uh, biomarker. We have the uh, food basket page that helps you to develop a daily menu that will help you to optimize all the biomarkers that are not optimized. And we have a, a few other solutions, including a solution for a, a teams or for coaches that basically they have what we call a coach dashboard that they can monitor and manage uh, between uh, two athletes to hundreds of athletes. And they can there uh, uh, apply for him the right nutrition that's good for him, but also nutrition that that is uh, uh, this athlete like to eat, so the coach can uh, look at our recommendation and refine it more based on his belief and based on what he knows about the athletes. So we have a lot of solutions both for coaches and for uh, athletes that like to do it by themselves. So, so is there a is there a similar company in Europe, Gil, or do you are you able to people able to ship their stuff to you, that look to you? Yes. So that's a very good question. So in Europe, we have, uh, or any other place in the world, including Australia, what you can do is the following. You can either buy from us an home kit. So we'll uh, send you an home kit that uh, can test up to six blood biomarkers. And you will uh, prick your finger, uh, drop a few drops of blood, and mail it back to us. Or alternatively, we have a solution that we call do-it-yourself, that basically what you do, you need to find uh, or extract the blood by yourself, uh, uh, not by yourself literally, but ask a physician or someone else to get the blood test, and then you upload it into our platform, and we'll give you all the recommendation and the ranges and all of that on our website, but unfortunately, we don't have an agreement with labs in Europe and Australia yet. Mm-hmm. Cool, interesting. So is that is that something that's going to be in the pipeline, or is that kind of grand plan, or is that you know strictly uh, U.S. and Canada at the minute? No, no, it is. Uh, uh, we have uh, anecdotal one lab in uh, uh, the Netherlands that uh, are using InstaTracker and selling it. We have one place in uh, uh, like uh, one small country like Singapore that's using it, and we are in discussion with a lot of uh, different uh, entities in Europe and in Australia that are interested to do that, uh, but I assume that it will take some time because uh, to close the deals with the labs and all the operation is not easy, and that's something that will take some time. Mm-hmm. Cool. So we, we spoke before we went on air about um, inner age. Yes. Do you just want to talk to us about what it is and, and why we should be, be bothered about it? Yes, so Inner Age is a, a solution that uh, I developed uh, together with the team at Instant Tracker because of my fascinating uh, for longevity. I just want to mention that in our company we have uh, uh, two uh, very close uh, scientific advisors. Uh, one of them is Larry Nigarente from MIT, that actually I did the postdoc doctoral fellow at his lab, and he is the leading and the founding uh, scientist that started the a modern a study of aging. And another one is David Sinclair from Harvard Medical School, that's also one of the top five scientists that's studying aging. And he was nominated by Time magazine a few years ago as one of the 100 most influential people in the world uh, based on his research on aging. And together we were trying to find what are the biomarkers that can uh, show us the most information about where are you standing during your aging uh, endeavor, whether you are younger than your age or older than your age. So we look at hundreds of uh, biomarkers 
And after uh, more than a year of research, we pinpoint on five different blood biomarkers, and the biomarkers are uh, glucose, uh, uh, testosterone, which uh, I'm sure that everyone is, that is athletic active knows about it. CRP is a marker of inflammation. Vitamin D, I'm, I'm also sure that everyone heard about it. And ALT is a marker of liver function. So all of those five blood biomarkers are strongly related to aging, and we found a lot of data in the scientific literature that show that uh, based on the level of each of those biomarkers, we can know whether this biomarker makes you older or younger than your chronological age. So we develop an algorithm for each of them that calculates what is the effect of each of those biomarkers related to your uh, longevity. And then we combine all of them together to one number that we call inner age. And this number basically can show you whether you are a, a, your inner age is older than your chronological age or inner age is younger of your chronological age. And also give you five foods that we call focus foods that will help you to optimize all of those biomarkers that are making you to be older than your age uh, because those foods are nutrient-dense with a nutrient that will help you to optimize all of those biomarkers at once. So basically, you have five foods that if you'll eat them more, try to eat them every day, it will help you to make your inner age younger. Now, we developed this uh, solution more for uh, what we call the gain population, so people that would like to live longer and improve the quality of life, and less for the athletic active population. But surprisingly... Uh, every team and every professional athletes that we are using, that we are using in such tracker, are really excited about inner age because they are saying that it's a very good uh, indicator for them whether they are going to the right direction or not. And also, uh, for them, is less about how long I'm going to live and more how can I play another season, how can I play at the fourth quarter or the second half, how can I uh, uh, play better at uh, the postseason. Um, so we see that uh, uh, I would say at least 95% of uh, our professional users are using inner age and are trying to be the inner age because they are a competitor and they want to, to be as young as possible. So it was a surprise for me, but uh, uh, currently inner age is a, a very good tool for uh, our uh, professional athletes and the athletic active population, which I haven't envisioned when I launched it. Mm-hmm. Cool. So you've mentioned testosterone a couple of times. Um, from, from an athletic point of view, I mean, this may be um, uh, teaching people how to suck eggs a little bit here, but do you just want to tell us a little bit about the importance of testosterone and why it was one of the, the key biomarkers that you decided to, uh, to look at? Yeah, so uh, testosterone is a, a fascinating a biomarker, especially for an athletic active population. Uh, and also it's very interesting that your testosterone might be low if you are exercising too much, but also your testosterone might be low if you are not exercising at all. So it's not like a, 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 a one direction or a linear line. Um, the level of testosterone is uh, regulated in a, 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 in a different way, and because of that, it's not a simple a, a biomarker to, uh, to understand. So I will uh, try to dive in a bit uh, into the, uh, the testosterone. So testosterone is a, a, a hormone that uh, is secreted mainly from the testes and is a sex hormone. Uh, interestingly, it's all, not only important for males, also females 
uh, need to have testosterone. And testosterone uh, secreted by the testes, and then because it's an hormone, it's go to a target a, a, a tissue such as the massa, and and uh, go into the nucleus of uh, the cell and increase the transcription of some genes that uh, help uh, 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 to do its activity. A major activity of testosterone is to build massa. So it's called an anabolic uh, hormone because it's help you to build massa. So uh, there is a, a nice correlation between the level uh, uh, of uh, uh, testosterone that you have and, and uh, basically the amount of muscle that you can, uh, you can build. So it's very important to monitor the level of testosterone and understand uh, by that what is your potential, how much muscle more you can build. But that's not as simple as it is. Because testosterone is interact with a protein that called sex hormone binding globulin or globin, and the, uh, uh, the shortcut for that is SHBG. This protein binds to testosterone and inhibit the activity of testosterone. So basically, every molecule of testosterone that is bound to SHBG is inactive. And because the, uh, the molecule is inactive, then it cannot go to the target uh, uh, tissue and activate the transcription of the genes that help you to build muscle. Um, so SHBG is a sort of a negative regulator of uh, testosterone that basically every molecule that binds to SHBG is inactive. So because of that, the important part to know is what is the amount of free testosterone that we have. Free testosterone is a testosterone that is not bound to SHBG, and that's the active uh, form of testosterone, okay? Um, as I mentioned before, uh, uh, we can do a lot of a, a, a lifestyle um, uh, intervention in order to try to optimize the testosterone. Uh, for example, sleep is very, very important for the quality and the length of the sleep is very important for uh, the level of testosterone. So if you sleep well, uh, you have a better chance to increase your testosterone. Um, other factors that are important for uh, testosterone are the uh, training itself. So it's uh, uh, very important to, to train well. And uh, sometimes some coaches in purpose want you to have a dip in testosterone. To, they want to kill their, uh, 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 their uh, athletes, to let them uh, uh, train very hard in order to have a dip in testosterone and later on have an increase of that. But if you are doing it chronically uh, and you are over-exercise, your testosterone tends to dip and then it's pretty hard to, uh, to recover. Also, there are some other uh, uh, training that... Uh, a, a regime that can help you to optimize testosterone, and again, it depends on other uh, criteria like uh, uh, your, your nutrition, your activity, your sleep. Uh, so uh, high-intensity interval training have been shown some instance to uh, uh, optimize the, uh, uh, the testosterone level. Um, so th there are a lot of uh, uh, different regulations that are lifestyle or exercise that can uh, modulate testosterone. Interestingly, there are also some nutrition intervention that can help you to uh, uh, modulate or uh, improve testosterone. And uh, for example, uh, a food that is uh, high with a specific uh, a micronutrient can help you to uh, optimize testosterone. There are also other interventions related to nutrition that can help you to try to decrease the level of sex hormone by the globulin and by that uh, increase the free testosterone 
so, so there are a lot of different intervention that can help you to optimize uh, your testosterone. What is unique about Instant Tracker that we have literally hundreds of different recommendations related to, to testosterone, but we are showing the right recommendation to the right person based on the kind of uh, athletic activity that he's doing, based on his age and gender, males are different than females, uh, based on uh, other biomarkers that are not optimized, and we're giving him the, uh, uh, the right intervention that is good for him. Just a, a, a small an anecdote, uh, there are a lot of papers that actually showing that a, a, a single guy have a much higher testosterone than someone that dating a lady, and someone that dating a lady have a higher testosterone than someone that married, and someone that married with kids have even lower amount of testosterone on average than someone that is uh, a, a just married. And if you look at the evolution, it makes a lot of sense because uh, uh, the major role of uh, testosterone in evolution is to produce uh, uh, kids. And when you are single, uh, evolution wants you to make kids. When you are already dating, uh, you are closer to the mate, so it's easier. When you are already married, it's much closer. And when you have kids, you did what you have. Uh, have uh, uh, been uh, programmed to do, so it's much less important. So that's an interesting anecdote. Another interesting anecdote is that the level of testosterone tend to dip by 1% to 2% a year on average. So basically, uh, you shouldn't expect to have uh, the same level of testosterone if you are a 20 years old athlete or you are a 40 years old athlete. Someone that is a 40 years old, on average, should have a lower amount of testosterone than someone that is a 20 years old. Are you, are you single, Gil? No, I'm married with kids. So uh, <laughs> but actually, my testosterone is not too bad. Good, good, <laughs> <Luckily>. good. That <laughs> set me right up then. That just set me up. Um, so we discussed, again, we discussed earlier about uh, the role of cortisol, or you, you discussed the role of cortisol. Yes. Do you just want to just explain... An, the, the, ro the role specifically and how it then interacts with testosterone. Yeah, sure. Uh, so cortisol is the stress hormone and uh, it's produced by the adrenal gland and the role of uh, uh, cortisol, again, sorry that I'm going to evolution, but uh, the role of cortisol was that uh, when a bear is uh, uh, hunting you, uh, you will have enough energy to climb on a tree and run away from the bear. Okay, so it's basically give you uh, a, a pulse of energy that will allow you to survive. Uh, now, in today's environment, we have a lot of stress. You have a stress at the work, you have a stress uh, that you lost the game, you have a stress that you are in the playoff, and each, each uh, kind of stress increases the cortisol. Increased cortisol for a short while is good. The problem is that when you have a chronic increase in cortisol, because uh, what cortisol is doing, if you look at the molecular level, is uh, uh, helping the, uh, the body to produce energy. And part of it is that producing energy from a protein. So basically, when you have a chronic high level of cortisol, that means that you break more proteins. And as all of us know, uh, protein are, or muscles are uh, uh, built from proteins. So when you have a chronic level of cortisol or high stress, uh, your body will tend to uh, break the muscle and use it to, uh, to produce energy. And uh, that's why cortisol is called as the 
uh, a catabolic hormone, basically breaking uh, muscle, while uh, um, testosterone called the anabolic hormone, which say that is a building muscle. So we develop a ratio of uh, 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 testosterone to cortisol to basically find whether uh, currently you are uh, building muscle more than breaking muscle, and what is the status of your uh, ratio between uh, uh, building and breaking muscles. Cool. Interesting. So, so for someone that's for someone that's in season, that's um, a, a team sport player, just making this person up. What what kind of ratio would you expect um, to see between the two? So, um, so, so we developed. <laughs> the short answer is that uh, this ratio is not uh, um, easy to do by yourself because it's uh, um, uh, you need to make uh, uh, somehow to. Uh, look at the numbers and they make the right adjustment. Uh, what we did, we develop a ratio that go from 0 to 100, basically make, a, a, make it simpler to understand. Because yeah. if you look at the scientific literature, you might see 1.2 or 1.5, and then you say, okay, what does it mean? So we uh, decided to make it from a, a 0 to uh, 100. And what we see that the uh, athletes, that uh, are, uh, the ratio is... Uh, uh, above 66 or uh, 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 0.66, basically 66% uh, uh, going more for the uh, uh, testosterone than the cortisol, they are in a, a good situation. Uh, if you are uh, lower than that, you are in a bit less good situation. So uh, that's what we see. The good news is there are a lot of intervention that you can do in order uh, uh, to optimize uh, uh, both the uh, testosterone and cortisol. Uh, some of them are nutrition. Uh, a lot of them related to uh, rest, recovery, and sleep. So rest, recovery, and sleep is a, a extremely crucial for uh, improving uh, both a, a testosterone and the cortisol. Uh, and some other are related to uh, uh, some uh, training and other uh, uh, interventions. Mm. Excellent. So I don't want to... Um kind of kill inside tracker completely but with regards to increasing testosterone as a as a kind of general rule what kind of what kind of nutrition is kind of advised on your part um it, with someone whose aim is to do that yeah so uh we uh, recommend to uh increase the amount of uh, magnesium that you have in your diet or even uh, some uh, supplementation with that there are uh, some other uh, research that show that uh, increase the amount of uh, zinc and uh, vitamin D have been shown to uh, uh, optimize that. But I want to, uh, uh, to say that uh, the effect of the nutrition is uh, minor related to the effect of uh, rest, recovery, and uh, maybe change on uh, the training schedule. So uh, nutrition... Uh, for uh, testosterone and also for cortisol is not the minor, uh, the major intervention. Uh, nutrition is a major intervention for uh, uh, markers like iron that is very important for um, uh, uh, transfer the oxygen from uh, the lungs to the muscle. So uh, uh, change your diet, uh, eat more food that high with iron is uh, uh, very uh, beneficial there. Also to uh, optimize uh, vitamins and minerals such as vitamin D and vitamin B12, uh, nutrition is important. Even so that for vitamin B12, 
uh, sorry, for vitamin D, uh, it's not very easy to increase it by nutrition. Uh, and a lot of us, uh, including you and me, are living in uh, states that are not having a lot of sun, and especially now in the winter. We haven't seen it. We haven't seen it since. Sun. We haven't seen it since July, Gil. Poor <laughs> 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 <Will> you. <laughs> so, uh, so, uh, so for some of them, unfortunately, or fortunately, we need to take supplement. And vitamin D is a great example for that. That. Uh, uh, when you look at our uh, database, uh, you can see that uh, around 80% of our users have too little amount of vitamin D. And even someone that lives in Florida uh, might have a low vitamin D. And the reason for that, if you look at that, most of us, uh, even when we are training, we are training indoor. And the fluorescent light doesn't give us the vitamin D. The vitamin D comes from uh, uh, the UV light of the sun. Now, even if you are training outside and you... Uh, are outside uh, for a long time, uh, most of us are applying sunscreen. And sunscreen block the absorption of the UV light. So uh, basically, even if you are outside for a long time and you apply sunscreen, you won't get enough vitamin D. More than that, if you are, uh, have a dark skin, so if you look at uh, someone that is African-American uh, versus someone that have a, a very light skin, for an African-American, will take 10 times longer exposure to the sun to receive the same amount of vitamin D or to produce the same amount of vitamin D than someone that have a very light skin. Now you need to remember that also um, there is the uh, relationship to skin cancer. So you don't want to be uh, too much under the sun because you don't want to get uh, uh, some skin cancer. So uh, I think that uh, uh, for vitamin D, the easiest and the uh, most powerful solution is uh, taking a vitamin D supplementation. Very interesting. Lots to think about for a, a white ginger-haired person living in England. <laughs> <laughs> so you've got, um, just to back on Inside Tracker, you've got a, a blog as well that's, that's got plenty of great information on there but where can uh, where can people keep up to date with what inside track has got going on and what you've got going on yeah so uh, as you said we have a, a blog that uh, it's pretty active and we have a, a very good writers that write uh, about uh, nutrition uh, performance uh, athletic activity uh, and uh, also some cool supplement that we research and we found that are uh, actually uh, pretty effective so the blog is definitely a place that uh, you can visit. We also have a, a nice following on uh, Facebook and Twitter and Instagram, so you can follow us there. And you can also subscribe to our uh, blog to receive it uh, uh, whenever it's going out. And actually, we're trying to not to have too many blogs, so we have only two blogs a week. And we're trying to make them uh, very strong and scientific and uh, having a reference for each of uh, uh, the data that we are showing in order to allow our uh, reader uh, to evaluate the, them by themselves and be sure that uh, the data that we are showing to them is the real data. Mm -hmm. Interesting. Excellent. Well, I really appreciate your time, Gil. Um, I'm going uh, to let you go. But um, thanks again. And, Thank you uh, so much. We'll keep in touch. I'll put all the links on the site so people can uh, people can jump on there and, and check out what you guys are doing. Okay. So, thanks. Thank you so much. Thanks again, mate. Speak to you soon. Bye. Bye bye. Thanks for tuning in to episode sixty-seven of the Pace of Performance podcast. So, I hope you enjoy the chat with Gil. 
Uh, I know it was a bit off-piste with regards to the normal guys we've had on, but I know Gil did a great job, um, and I'm sure it sparked some uh, some thoughts for all the guys that have, have listened so far. So again, thanks for your support, and thanks for the support of Valve Performance, the makers of the Nordboard. So if you are interested in getting to, getting to know more about the Nordboard uh, and the um, the product itself and the guys behind it, get to valdperformance.com. So that's V-A-L-D performance.com. So like I said uh, recently, I've got some great episodes, great guests coming up over the next couple of weeks. So keep checking back to paceyperformance.co.uk and you can get all the links that were mentioned in the podcast over at paceyperformance.co.uk forward slash 67. So thanks for tuning in again. Thanks for your support and I'll speak to you soon.